Good morning, everybody. We're going to uh, camp out most of this message in Philippians 3. So if you want to go there, I'll have a couple other verses, but that's going to be where we're going to spend most of our time. Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to open up in verse 13. Ooh. Okay. I think I'm still there. The title of the message today is The the Present is a Gift. Present is a gift. And I don't mean present as in a gift. I mean present, this moment. Not the past, not the future. The present is a gift. So I'm going to read the starting verse here and then we're going to pray. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this word today. Thank you for the worship, the things that are happening here, Lord. And Thank you for all of that, and just pray that you speak through this word what you once said, and it has the impact that you want it to have, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want to talk about the present. He says here in this verse, he's forgetting what is behind, he's straining toward what is ahead. Okay? Past. Forgetting what's behind. The future. There's a future goal he's going towards. The present is when we make that choice. The present is the opportunity to forget the past and move on to the future. I like this definition of the present, and i part of the Truth Project. Adele Tackett defined the present as a nanosecond that is converting the future into the past. This this moving time that we're in, we're in this single moment, and it's moving, and it's converting the future into the past. And we are, our current existence, we're locked in this one-dimensional time, but we're only moving in a half dimension of it. We are constant, we're moving in time, and we're, we're, we're locked into this time, this thing called time. And I like to think about, well, why'd the Lord do that? Why'd God, why did God do that? We have three dimensions of space, right? Uh, up, up and down, left and right, forward, back. We have these, these three dimensions of space, but we, really, we only have this half dimension of time that we're stuck in, and it's moving, and we only have this one moment, and everything else is either the past or the future. And why would he do that? Because it doesn't seem like that it's that way in eternity, talk about heaven or hell, you talk about eternity, things occur, but the Bible doesn't give us a lot of description of how time works, but it doesn't seem to be the same. Scripture does say, for God, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. It seems that we are also, it seems that things that happen in eternity in those eternal realms are absolute. When you see beings like angels reject God it, in, and fall with Lucifer, it's a permanent thing. They don't, there's no indication that there is any repentance or any do-over. Things seem to be so absolute in that realm. 
We are in this realm where we make a mistake and it's in the past. We can change. We can move on. We can be forgiven. We can move forward. We have this opportunity to things can stay in the past. And we can move on. It doesn't have to be absolute. It's not, I messed up one time and I'm forever, I'm forever stuck in that state. We have the possibility of change. That is a wonderful place to be. And it's a place where God can deal with us over time. And we can make mistakes, we can be forgiven, and we can continue to grow and change. Because there's something about the, the eternal realms where much, everything's much more absolute. Now, that's great, but what do I do with it? Nice thought, but okay. How, how am I actually going to apply this in my life? What, what does it mean? If I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm moving on to what's ahead, what does that look like? And I'll tell you, initially, what I, as I'm trying to kind of work on this message, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to do this big uh, thing on dealing with the past and dealing with the future and dealing with, and as I'm going through it and I'm praying about it, as seems to be the habit with God working on me on preaching messages, everything kept being, you need it more focused, you need it more. You need, there's, a, there's a point to this. Don't try to make it a some big academic uh, dissertation. Get it down to something. Say what, say what you know you're supposed to say. So what am I going to do with this past? A lot of us, it, well, it's human nature. It's to our nature. We interpret the present based on our past. And our expectations of the future are based on the past. So we need, to, we need to do something about this past. There are past hurts, things people have done to us. There are things people have told us what we are or what we are not. There are past mistakes that we have a hard time letting go of. And God has given us the perfect prison to lock those things up in, called the past. Put them in the past, leave them there. Learn from them, sure. But how often we keep living in the present, we keep reliving those things in the present that happened in the past. Well, this is my reality. No, your reality is this moment now that you can choose to move forward. You don't have to keep reliving that past over and over again. It's, it's locked in a prison. It happened in the past. And you can choose to keep re-experiencing it over and over again in your mind. Or you can forget what is behind and move on towards the goal. What a beautiful thing to have a goal, a future to move towards. Because when we human beings, if we don't have a future to look forward to, we tend to, we tend to have problems. We tend to break down. When you, tell, when you raise people to say, well, there is no heaven or hell, there is no eternity, this life is all there is, people don't have a whole lot to look forward to. They're just trying to find pleasure in the present. They don't have a future to work towards. And it really messes with our mindsets, our mentality, us spiritually. We start living for the moment. And when you live for the moment, 
you're going to have consequences in the future. Negative consequences. So I seek pleasure in the moment, in the present. I'm going to have things happen to me in the future that are going to be unpleasant. And when we don't have that structure, that goal to push towards, we can't get through anything that's tough. And a generation that's been raised to say there is no ultimate goal, it's just this moment, it's just the present. And we have record levels of suicide, substance abuse, broken relationships, people trying to escape, huge drowning ourselves in entertainment, trying to make the moment, present, feel better. And Paul's saying he's willing to strain towards what is ahead. Because what we have to look forward to as believers is fantastic. That eternal realm, heaven, being with God is wonderful. Glorified bodies where we no longer sin, no longer struggle with sin, that's wonderful. Wonderful thing to hope towards. A millennial reign of Christ on earth, a future new heaven, new earth. We have these wonderful things to hope for and work towards, and that gives us strength to be able to get through this life, even when it's tough. And if someone doesn't have that future hope, and all their, their best hope is to try to have pleasure in the present, they're going to struggle. We, got that, we have that society surrounding us. So, I've got this... I've got this future to hope towards. And I've got this past where I can forget those, those things that need to stay in the past. And it's real easy for me to teach on the past hurts and past mistakes. And that's, you can get a lot of sermons that say that. That's a common theme. Yes. Moving past, you can get that in the, in the secular world. You can get, everybody wants to move on from the past hurts and past things that have happened. But now we're going to get to the meat of this message that kind of took a while. It's exactly what God gave me at the very beginning, and then it took me a while to catch up to it. <laughs> and I know a lot of you know what I mean by that. God will give you something, and then you, you try to work it out, and then eventually you try to catch up to where God, what God told you in the first place. The hard, one of the hardest things, I'm going to say it's actually the hardest thing and, and possibly most detrimental thing because we don't deal with it. That's the only reason I make that argument, are getting over the past successes. Past success is one of the hardest things to move on from because we always compare the present to what the past used to be. And when it, when it was great, or when it was a success, we tend to idolize it. And we want to go back to what it used to be instead of moving forward to what God has for us next. And that is one of the hardest things to get past. And in the course of preparing this message, I had no idea how many times I have seen that until in the course of preparing this message, pieces started to come together. I started to remember the times I've seen ministries, workplaces, all kinds of things damaged because people were saying, why can't we recreate? People were looking backwards saying, try to recreate what used to be and couldn't accept what is and could not accept moving forward. 
I'm going to give you a totally non-church example. Sports. How often do people look at great players from the past and say, well, if they were playing today, they would dominate the, the league, and you're the realists are looking at it going, they may not even be in the league today if they were playing today. The physical conditioning that's required today on so many sports, some of the past legends, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble with the baseball fans, but yes, we all, everybody appreciates Babe Ruth, but everybody also, uh, all your analysts will tell you now, hey, if he played today, would he even be in the major leagues? Greatest of all, dominated batting and hitting back in the day, but your modern player has such different physical conditioning and different skill. Could, could the greatest of the past even play today? Different circumstances, different situations. Great basketball players, football players of the past. Different rules now in the league. Different, different scenario. We don't know if they'd be great or not. What does that look like in the church? The number of times I've, I've been either in a Christian workplace, a church, Bible study, ministry, and, per, and someone comes in and says, well, we've got to recreate what we used to have, and how many times that's been detrimental. I used to work for a seminary, and they'd set, and went through major changes. When I started there, wildly successful. There were economic changes. There were regulatory changes on what could programs we could offer and couldn't. We went through major changes. But we would at times have alumni or something, oh, what, what's happened to you guys? You used to be so great. Well, things changed. Can't do what we used to do. Economically, people couldn't do what they used to do. Regulatory-wise, program-wise, couldn't do what we used to do. Couldn't, we, we could not, in the present, be what we were in the past. We had a different set different situation. And we had to make, we had to do right thing in the present, move on to the future. With, in that scenario, mixed results. <laughs> Not always done well. I was part of a Bible study one time. They had been around for actual decades. Not affiliated with here. But had been part of a Bible study and it was it was specific for a specific age group. It was for young adults, college age groups. And somebody came in who had been part of an earlier version many years ago, had been part of it, and right away was, "You guys are not like what we used to be. You don't live up to. You don't appreciate how great this once was. You're not like we were when we were your age." And began attacking, attacking, attacking. You don't live up to what it used to be. You're not like, you, you guys are wrong because you're not like us. And we had, there were a lot of young adults there that needed some ministry. They needed what they needed at that time. They didn't, it wasn't 20 years ago. That study, that Bible study, that young adults group, that ended. It failed in big, in big part because of that person who, who came in and was upset because it wasn't like it used to be. It wasn't the glory days that they remembered. Part of another group, ministry. And I, I love I love testimonies. But when you're when you're doing it when you're working in ministry and somebody comes in and says, Oh, this this program in the past it, it changed my life and it 
And I love that, but then there's a part of me that because of my experience that goes, oh no. Because that person wants to recreate the experience they had 10, 15, 20 years ago. And we'll do, and unfortunately, we'll do everything, sometimes do everything they can to recreate that experience that they had, not the experience that the current people need. And that group nearly ended also. Because there was that individual that says, it's got to look and feel just like it did for me 20 years ago. And it wasn't 20 years ago. Different people involved, different situations, different circumstances. Couldn't recreate it. Needed to do what God wanted at that point. We have a tendency to idolize the past. This is one of my favorite examples in the Bible of this. This is what keeps me grounded when I encounter those situations. In Numbers chapter 21. So Numbers 21, I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. Now this is in reference, but in context. Children of Israel are in the wilderness. And this is the time, the book of Numbers is the time between, the, the time transition between they've left Egypt and they've entered the promised land. Verse 4, they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread here, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Miserable food, meaning manna that God was providing. You're traveling in the wilderness, and food comes out of the sky, and water comes out of rocks. It's a cloud to shade you in the day, and it turns into fire at night and keeps you warm. Pretty nice way to travel in the wilderness. But if you're comparing it to Egypt all the time, we had more variety of food, you know, okay, not happy. Verse 6, Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, they bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and say, and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8 says, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked, on snake, they lived. So God sends this punishment to them. And the way that God chooses to alleviate their punishment is have Moses make this bronze snake, put it on a pole, and that's what they look at, and they're healed of that venomous bite. Jesus refers to this later and says, like that, the Jewish people remembered this, he said, like that, the Son of Man has to be lifted up on a cross. Is there any question that God used that bronze snake in that incident? No question at all. God said to do it. Moses did it, and God used it, and it was a blessing. No question. God used it. It was a blessing. But what do people do? Often when God uses something in the past, idolize it. Second Kings chapter 18. 
This is when Hezekiah becomes king of, of Judah. So it introduces us to Hezekiah and says, hey, what kind of king is he? What kind of king is Hezekiah? In 2 Kings 18, verse 3, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. When it says father David, he wasn't many generations removed here, but he, he, was, he was of the ancestry of David. He removed the high places, he smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He's getting rid of idols. Nice. Smashing those false idols. Tearing them down. Breaking them because people are worshiping false idols. Yeah. What else did he do? He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it and called it Nahashton. God used something. What did people do? Idolize it. Let's burn incense to the snake that Moses made. To the point that Hezekiah, being a righteous man, had to, had to, had to break it, had to tear it down because people were worshiping it. That's one of my favorite verses because it keeps me grounded when you get into the ministries and people say, hey, I, well, you gotta, we got to do it like we used to do it. And if you say, well, well no, we can't. Say, well, you don't understand how God used this in the past. I, I do understand. I appreciate how God used that in the past. That does not mean we worship it now. Sometimes you have to be willing to move on from that success. Yes, God used it. It doesn't mean that we idolize it now. So often, that's, that's exactly what we do. So, where are we currently? Doing a little research, looking at some, some things even this morning. So, as of it was actually it was a very interesting study conducted. As of February of this year, 2022, church attendance has decreased across the country by 45% versus what it was only a matter of three years ago or so. And this story from a major media outlet called it a reckoning of the American church. And there was a part of me that wanted to say, well, how dare you? And then I realized... I'm not wrong. <laughs> like, it seemed a little, it's like, first Senate route, and then I thought, well, maybe that's fair. Are we, is it increasing again? Yes, but very slowly. The in, in-person attendance in church is down about 45%. That's a huge number. And based on the various regions, sometimes it varies from a 40%. Some, some regions and some denominations have seen over 60% loss of concrete in-person attendance. And it's very tempting to say, let's do church like we did in 2018, 2016, 2014, whatever, whatever floats your boat, you know, whatever time you look back to. Let's do church like we did then. People aren't showing up. It's not like it was then. They're not. That's why... We want to hear exactly what God's saying for right now and not idolize whatever, whatever it was in the past that we did. That's great. There's no denying that God used the, that, that bronze snake and told Moses to do that. There, you don't have to insult the past 
You can appreciate the past, but you got to be able to say, what do I need to do in the present because I'm moving on towards the future? We're doing a lot of outreach. I've been in church my whole life. I don't remember ever being a part of a church that was so focused on outreach right now as we are. That's fantastic. I love it. Is it scary? Yeah, a little bit. Is it different? Yeah, yep, that's pretty different. But the days of the church being, well, we just we just deal with church people. And back a few years ago, the church could sustain itself off of church people, uh, social club kind of structure. Didn't need to do a lot of outreach. Churches across this country are realizing they have to now. The same studies I was looking at, major studies um, quoted by major media outlets are looking financially, churches, at a, they called it a financial reckoning. And that's a, fair, that's a fair thing to say. The church's money is, across the country, is taking a big hit. In-person attendance is taking a big hit. Financially taking a big hit. It is somewhat of a reckoning. I appreciate what Eddie said opening up the announcements there. We're at, it's a point where it's not uh, man-made. Things aren't going to fix it. We got churches getting this desperation for God. That's a good thing. That's an exciting place to be. Scary in our own strength, but it's exciting when we, when we realize. That's exa- all that apathy that we were worried about in the church back a few years ago, now it's like, can't ignore it anymore. Can't ignore it. <laughs> now, now the church has to has to be serious about evangelism in a way that it didn't necessarily financially have to be in the past. That's that's a good place for the American church to be. I'm excited about what's going on. I just want to put this out there. I don't want I'm not labeling this some sort of prophetic word or anything like that. I just want to put this out there. You're on the shoreline and you see the water pulling away. Strangely, dramatically, means a tidal wave's coming. That's how that's how that's how a tidal wave works. It, it's my hope. That's exactly what we're looking at. Oh my goodness, so many people have left. Yeah, wait, wait to see, wait to see what's coming. But we gotta, get, but we gotta get, but we gotta get out there. We we have to continue to, as Paul said, strain. Towards future. Let's return to Philippians 3. It's easy to look at when he says, forgetting what lies behind. Oh, he means all the hard things or all the, all the uh, you know, past hurts or past things. That's, that's all great, but in context, that's not actually what he's referring to. You look back at verse 4 of Philippians 3, he's stating the things that would make him feel good about himself the things that he could brag about. His past success, a Hebrew among Hebrews, Pharisee among Pharisees. All these things that his credentials that were that he not, that he has lost. I'll pick it up in verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, because that's what he's just been talking about, all these gains for himself, positive things, success. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. 
I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He's not talking about past hurts. He's, he's talking about being able to let go of the successes of how things used to be and accept where he was because, he's got to, because he knows he's going somewhere. And if the worship team wants to go ahead and come on up, I'll, I'll close this with uh, the rest of Philippians 3. Worship, uh, yes. All, all, the whole team, all one of you, yes. Let's finish up here in Philippians 3. I'm going to read verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this. Because what he's saying is I'm I'm going for the righteousness that's in Christ in in the resurrection. He's heading towards that future goal, future heaven. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So that's the challenge I want to leave with you today. I am all for moving past the past hurts and realizing the past is a good place to lock them, lock them up. What what those expectations that people have put on you, limitations, those past failures, great. But don't forget to lock up those past successes too that shape our current expectations and make us say, oh, if I could just go back to what... No, you can't. We're in linear time. We're, we're going forward, whether we want to or not. Time is passing. You know, it'll drag us with it if we're kicking and screaming or if we're running to the the next goal. Either way, it's, it's, it's still moving with or without us. We're heading towards heaven. I hes- hesitated to do this, but uh, I do think it's appropriate. You, you know uh, Pastor Rod used to always say, keep your eyes on the prize. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this would have been his birthday, uh, June 5th. Tomorrow. Oh, it would have been this week. Yeah. Uh, it just it just hit me last night. I thought, what a what a good time to say to remind us to keep our eyes on the prize. Uh, that was a very good motto to have. I encourage you all today. I'm going to pray. Uh, we're going to worship some. This is one of those messages that I just want you to kind of. I can't tell you what it is that you need to be willing to move on from, but I know the Holy Spirit can. That's exactly what I'm going to ask. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for this important reminder. Lord, help us not to get stuck in what... Help us to always appreciate what you did in the past, but never get stuck by it. Never get stuck to it. Always be willing to move forward with you. Lord, I pray you speak to each one of us what we need. Lord, you know, can't can't tell anybody else what they need, Lord, but you can. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak to each heart today. In Jesus' name, amen.
you got you appreciate God did things different ways so often. He would deliver the children of Israel this way one time, he'd do something else different the other time. They couldn't necessarily predict what God was going to do. And what that causes is it causes a relationship. If it's just a religion, then there's a set certain way things that work, a certain equation that you can follow and and it works. And that so that's a religion. And it's a relationship that you have to know God to hear what he's currently doing at that time. If, if you're if you're in any kind of relationship and, and all you have is, well, I have the, you know, there were some great times in the past, well, then you might have, that might be a problem. <laughs> if all, hopefully you have an active relationship now is what you need. You can't just rely on things that happened in the past. Let's maintain that relationship with God. Let him do things differently than he's done before. Trust him through all of it. Let's close in prayer and be dismissed. Lord, thank you again. Thank you so much for all that you've done, Lord. Lord, we need a dynamic, active, present-day relationship with you, Lord. We ask for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for everyone here. Pray your safety as everyone leaves and travels. Lord, give us that. Give us those ears to hear, Lord, what you're saying for today. Help us focus on the future, Lord, and the the prize that we're heading towards. In Jesus' name.